0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The
1: triangle set to the top of the pattern. Now Spielman in motion to the near side. Rolling right is McCaffrey. Throws it toward the end zone, wide open is Noah. Makes a catch, and it is a push
0: Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Nate Rohr. My pulse is good. Your
1: pulse okay? My pulse, so. Okay. All right, because we, we do do a pre-show check. Yep. Of the pulses.
2: Uh, yep. It's still there. <laughs> still, still, it's still there. Still <laughs> there. Um, a- by my estimation, it, it, it's strong. I'm a lot older than
1: you, so I, this first uh, I do first thing in the morning. Check mm. their, is there a pulse? Is, is there something there? We got another day. In a, <laughs> uh, I ahead just of got to
2: make. You know, usually <laughs> the little fella is uh, crying yeah, as the human up. alarm clock. So they're a damn. They had uh, dadgum well better be a. How place. mobile is Bobby right now? Uh, more mobile than his father. So he's walking. He's walking. He's running. Yeah. yeah, he he can get around. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's just a couple weeks past a year
2: old. This is correct. Yeah, yeah, he's he's he has more quickness than his father. Yeah, he's more adventurous than his father. So it's really been a treat. The world changes when you have children and they become mobile. Oh yeah, absolutely. Was before you could
1: lay him on a little blanket and do oh, whatever, sure. when they get mo- they get into things in a hurry.
2: Right. Yeah, and 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 like he always had a sense of adventure anyway, crawling around. But now that he can walk it, he, he's fine. He's he he tests out his gymnastic skills on uh, staircases every now and again. And ah, uh, those young boys. Yep, yeah. yep. Good stuff. All right, here's what we have on
1: the program for you tonight. Parker Gabriel, one of our favorites, going to join us from the Lincoln Journal Star and talk some Husker football. With him and there are a couple of headlines there. Tim covered a couple of those. In the ticker just moments ago, but always fun to talk with Parker. Parker, get the latest on his thoughts. As we're moving up on spring practice, March the 9th, Monday the 9th is the first spring football practice. Nebraska will have two weeks before spring break, and then take the spring break, and then they'll have three weeks culminating – in the now 1 o'clock kickoff of the spring game. That
2: got announced today. Start your countdown clocks now. Begin your tailgating plans. Uh, and, and it's not 11 a.m., thankfully. Right. So, yeah, it, it's set. It's there. Should be a good day in Lincoln. So so I I,
1: I tweeted it out earlier. It's on my calendar now, 1 o'clock. Because mm-hmm. we didn't know till today. BTN always sets that. They like to try to work their magic and get as many games on live as they can so you wait for that so that sets it up one o'clock april 18th is the date Um, there are tickets available by the way i had somebody ask me that earlier today and i said oh yeah yeah it's not sold out yet so you can go get tickets Mm -hmm. ticket office would love to take your phone call right now yeah absolutely
2: One eight hundred eight Big Red call now. Well
1: would anybody be monitoring that right now? now That's though, a good question. Go to might, Huskers.com. It go might online. be after hours at the ticket no.
2: office. This is true. Yeah. Go go to Huskers.com.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm glad you're here tonight because uh I know that there's a some kind of big rock concert over at PBA. <laughs> I, I, I thought maybe you'd slip out and go watch some uh, is it It's KISS, isn't it? I don't think it's KISS. Crude? Uh, you guys know back there, Austin or I know
2: Tim? I Kiss is coming up.
1: Uh, I have no
3: clue. I'm sorry, but I will research it, and I will get back to you guys. I was just so focused. You think it's Kiss? Ready? I think Kiss is later.
2: Okay. Oh, it's corn and Breaking Benjamin. There you go. Corn so and Breaking Benjamin. I, Benny's actually attended the yes, Be- Breaking Benjamin show the last time they came through. But Kiss is coming
1: up next week, the 25th.
2: Okay, oh, so Kiss okay. is
1: a week away. Uh, ben is not at the concert.
2: No. He, he's out doing recon in San Diego. Yeah, he, he's scouting out. He, he tried, to find, tried to see which San Diego and San Diego State players were on the beach. Mm-hmm. He didn't find any. But he's still working hard. He's yeah. still looking. Yeah, uh, we'll keep you posted on any developments he shares
1: with Very us. Very good. He, he is supposed to report in if he has anything to. We've not heard from him. So, uh, but he's not at the concert tonight. But I was zipping around the haymarket, you know, twenty minutes ago. It was pretty crowded down here. I knew something was happening, and so there you go. Yeah. What Big, is it again? Cornbread? Uh, no,
2: corn. Corn. They, they were a, they were a group that was even popular when I was in high school. Which okay. I, I'm starting to get to that age when when you can gauge. How old things are? They were big when I was in high school. I mean, Eminem did his turn at the Grammys. I think was it the Grammys or the Oscars? One of the award shows would have been the Grammys. Yeah, and and he he performed there, and everybody was talking about how it was like a twenty year feud between he and the the award show that got settled. And it's like my God, I, I am old.
1: It's not quite classic rock yet. New. They're new. not to that. To that but They're not far from it either. That's true. Uh, Hour number two, it's our first Nebraska baseball show of the the year. Will Bolt will be in studio to take your comments, questions, calls. Lots to talk about now that we've seen that team compete on the field. The first weekend of the season in the books. The Huskers are headed to the Tony Gwynn Classic later this week out in San Diego. So we'll get the head coach in here. So get your comments and questions ready for him. Hour number three, top ten Tuesday. We're coming down the stretch of this college basketball season, so we thought we would take our stab at the top ten players of the year in college basketball. And there's some Big Ten people that at least mm-hmm. made my list. I got a couple. Okay. The,
2: the, the Big Ten is present.
1: All okay. right, very good. Austin will have some fun. I get. Is it Austin or Tim going to be playing along with us tonight? Who's back? Both? Are you both of you going to do it? Yeah, I say. I say, why not both?
3: We've got Austin's been pretty, pretty. Uh, insistent on his top ten. He's been he's been ribbing me for making the wrong decisions the whole night, so we'll have to see how it pans out. All right, well yeah, All
1: let's just right. we can play four. Yeah. That's what a golf horseman would be, so we, we can get four in there. And this way I won't be shanking the ball into the woods or anything like that. Very good. You got somebody to pick you up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll have some fun with that uh, tonight here on the show. And as always, phone lines are open and available for you. 866-HUSKER-1, 866 487 again. And I wanted to get it out there. Spring game now set, 1 o'clock kickoff. And a lot of people would say, well, that's what I assumed. We kind of did too, but you never know for sure because television has that late hook into the whole thing. Well,
2: yeah, I remember Coach Frost's first year. It was an 11 a.m. kick. And I, I remember that well because – we rolled in from Minnesota right. about 4:30 that morning <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah it's good that it's one o'clock it gives you a little more time to get out you know I'm sure there will be a ton of recruits there oh, it yeah. gives you a couple more hours to fly those guys in and a few more flights that can get them here uh, into the state of Nebraska and down here for the game so uh, that in the end that's probably best case scenario for all involved
1: very good the other bit of news and Tim had this in the ticker is that Nebraska now has hired a special teams analyst. His name is Jonathan Rutledge. He has been at Auburn. He's been an assistant to their special teams coach and so he, an old Miss grad, so he's got roots into the SEC, uh, but he's been hired by Scott Frost. He put it out on social media today, most and all the media outlets have jumped on his posting uh, that he now is officially on the Nebraska staff, not as a full-time assistant because Nebraska's full up in that category, but as an analyst. And, and I think we can all agree, Nate, we've watched it for the last couple of years, special teams. Has not been that special. It has hurt Nebraska in some pretty key moments in in games.
2: No question about it. And just to have a guy, just to have that position defined and somebody there so that you know who's going to be setting things up. And like you said, spring ball is fast approaching. And so he'll, in theory, have a little under a month to start – Sizing guys up and start looking at possibilities for the coverage units and maybe going through the film and the depth chart and trying to figure out, okay, here are some possibles for me. uh, And here are some guys, hopefully in that depth that's back building as far as guys who maybe we won't need as much to play the scrimmage downs to where we can play them on special teams, and uh, he has a solid track record. You know, you, you mentioned his time at Auburn and his time at Missouri. He's had a rule kind of like this for four years, and three years, according to ESPN, the special teams with which he was involved uh, finished in the top 40, which is a whole lot better than where Nebraska was this past year. So uh, it's a guy who has had some success in this rule. Uh, I'll be interested. To get more clarity on what exactly he can do, what he can't do, uh, because he's not a full fledged assistant coach. Right. So, so how is he he able to transfer his concepts and his ideas into what Nebraska is actually able to do on special teams? I'll yeah. be interested to see more on that. But it sounds like this guy has a solid track record in in special teams and and has had some success and now nebraska has a guy you, you've got that guy to start setting those teams up and start building your scheme so that uh, when the rubber meets the road against purdue you're in a better place
1: unfortunately it's about every phase of special teams have had issues yeah now last year you had the injury to barrett pickering which really put the place-kicking duties into a slide, and Barrett's still on the roster, but I think he has to go win that job in the spring. I think he's going to have to mm-hmm. go prove himself because Nebraska's brought in some kickers to challenge him, and I think that's a great thing. Competition usually breeds some success. But the punting position, Isaac Armstrong graduated. Will Pristup is on campus. He was the backup a year ago. But is he the right guy? I don't know. So I, that, to me, is a question mark. The kick-return game, we didn't get a lot of that mm-hmm. this past year. J.D. had a, a big bust in, in one game for a kick-return, but a lot of times Nebraska was getting tackled before they got the ball to the 20-yard line, and then we all remember both Wisconsin and Iowa taking one of the house right. in
2: kickoffs, and those are just backbreaking plays. Well, no doubt, and you think of, of when those happened, right after big Husker touchdowns where you felt like momentum was starting to swing with Nebraska, but then they take a, a kick back, for a score and special teams. So much dictate the momentum of a game, and so much dictate where you're going in a game, and and so there's a lot, and there's some of the struggle on special teams that can be explained by by lacking depth and by having to focus on your defensive scheme, especially you know with defensive guys where they've had so much change and turnover and what they're doing, and maybe you felt like they focused more on getting that right before worrying about kick coverage and punt coverage and all that. But it needs improvement. And, and, of course, this this coaching staff is going to work hard on it. And, and and with this hiring, they've they've now got the guy to lead it. So I'm sure it's high on the list of priorities for this coaching staff on things to improve going into next year.
1: Scott Frost has coached 24 football games here in Nebraska. Half of them have been decided by a score or less. Mm-hmm. And usually it's a play in special teams that might make the difference in that. Even if it's a 15-yard return that sets you up a better field position or if it's a punt that you can down inside the five. And for goodness sakes, don't be giving up big kick returns. <laughs> I don't know that the trend of close games is going to change. I think that's the era that we live in now in college football, tight, tough football games. And so special teams become equal, um, bigger importance in my eyes now than maybe at any time in college football history.
2: Well, yeah, and, and you you can really help yourself in special teams, but the big thing is not to hurt yourself, is not Bingo. give up that big play, is not not give up that, that kick return for a touchdown, let alone the critical one, right after you went on a hard-fought drive and scored and, and felt like you were starting to swing the game your way. Uh, you know, they, they're – You can lose quicker in special teams than you can win. I mean, what you're able to do in the return game in special teams, it's predicated on having that special guy back there and then executing perfectly. But you know, it's more often that you've got a deficiency there and it just keeps showing up and it keeps burying you. And that was the case last year. Sure was.
1: Well, you just used a terminology that Hearkens me back to my high school basketball days where the coach would go, Sharp, we're putting you in. We know you're not going to help us. Just don't hurt us. (laughs) But, you know, to
2: borrow, first off, that that coach was hard on you. I mean, goodness sakes. But, you know, it it, it just bears out. More games are lost than won, which is to say – and. we, you know, we get bored and we get a little frustrated when we hear coaches say, well, team that makes fewest mistakes is going to win and, 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 and we, we've got to eliminate mistakes and we just have to execute. That's all it is. That's all sports are. And, and, and mistakes in special teams, you, know, you think of mistakes in special teams, that's where it can blow up on you the quickest. I mean, you're 11 people spread out across the width of the field and if if you let a lane go, if you let yourself get totally blocked, that's a lane for a guy to go the distance.
1: So Jonathan Rutledge, there's your new guy. He is a a special teams you know assistant, not uh, not a special teams coach, analyst, special analyst. teams analyst. I think is the official terminology. We don't have the official release from athletics. They've not put this out. All the reports are coming off of Jonathan Rutledge putting it out there on social today, mm-hmm. which he certainly got permission to go ahead and do that. We're back on a sports nightly Tuesday night. It's our last full show of the week. We have Husker women's basketball tomorrow night that knocks us completely off. Men's basketball Thursday night that knocks us off. And Friday night we'll have an hour-and-a-half show before Husker baseball takes over from the West Coast. Playing out in the Tony Gwynn Classic, we'll have Will Bolton studio Next hour, we're delighted to have with us tonight Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star. Hello, Parker. How you doing? I'm doing well, Greg. How you doing? Fantastic. A um, little, little bit of news today with, with concerns to the special teams part of Husker football. What, do you, what have you been able to learn about Jonathan Rutledge?
4: Yeah, Jonathan Rutledge, uh, the man of the hour. He's the newest uh, member of Nebraska's football staff. He's not a full-time assistant coach. You get 10 of those. Um, He's not among them, but he is a senior special teams analyst. Um, You know, given... We haven't had a chance to to talk with Scott Frost um, since the early signing day in December. Uh, given the construction of the staff and the way the, you know, the turnover that there has been has taken place with um, Javon DeWitt in particular, you know, last year, the last two years was a full-time assistant coach who coached outside linebackers. And then his title was special teams coordinator. So uh, Jonathan Rutledge, there's You know, he's the only guy with special teams uh, in the job title on the staff right now. Don't know if that will be the case going forward. Um, There's some limitations about what can do on the field, you know, coaching-wise, but um, had a good reputation, was at Auburn the past two years, Um, looks to me just on the little bit of reconnaissance I've done that he he has a good history of working with um, kickers and punters in particular, and so uh, it'll be certainly interesting to see, you know, what his stamp on Nebraska's special teams units are going forward. Do you
1: have any idea what some of those restrictions might be? Can he coach on game day? Can he be... Uh, can he be out on the practice field? Do you have any idea what what limitations will be placed upon him?
4: Yeah, it's interesting. I think that you know a little bit of it depends. Um, you know, frankly, on um, just on compliance and sort of how Nebraska structures its work during the week. When you think of a typical analyst position, um, I think a lot of people, you know, if you're not if you don't know exactly how the sausage is made, a lot of times, you know, when when assistant coaches spend weeks out on the road recruiting. It's not like the players back in Lincoln aren't doing anything. They're in the facilities a lot, and quality control coaches and analysts, uh, graduate assistants are the guys who are in the meeting rooms in those situations and teaching guys the scheme and going over film and answering questions and those sort of things. Those are all obviously well within the purview. Um, You can't um, make tactical decisions on game days. Um, That doesn't mean you can't help formulate the plan during the week. Um, so there's some, you know, there's definitely some limitations. You're not supposed to be um, actively instructing players in live practice periods. Um, you know, all of that is sort of, um, you know, the, the, the Nebraska's compliance department is very thorough and, and they know exactly what a guy like Jonathan Rutledge can do and what he can't do over the course of, a, you know, a week or an offseason or, or a football season or what have you.
1: We're visiting with Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal Star, talking about the news of the day for Oscar football and that's the, the hiring of Jonathan Rutledge as a special teams analyst. Analyze for us, Parker, where Nebraska really is in the kicking game. play both place kicking and punting. How, how do you see this? And I mean, is is, is is September or is the spring practice gonna be kind of a kind of a tryout in some ways at those positions?
4: Yeah, I think it will be. I mean, you saw, you know, there were a couple, there were a lot of factors. And and obviously injury was the primary one at place kicking for Nebraska um, in 2019. They had six different guys attempt kicks over the course of the season. That's obviously not what you want. The thing that will be interesting to me is down the stretch, um, Matt Waldock took some pressure kicks for Nebraska when Barrett Pickering, the the only specialist Nebraska has on scholarship was theoretically available. Now um, Pickering appeared in exactly four games and was able to preserve his redshirt um, in the process and so that may have been part of the equation there um, but those kicks matter and, and Waldock made all four that he attempted um, over the course of the season so you figure if you're talking about uh, place kicking competition it probably starts with those guys and then um, they brought in a couple of walk-on types. Gabe Hines is still on the roster as a redshirt freshman. And then a couple of incoming guys, Chase Contreras and um, Tyler Crawford, uh, both inbound guys. One of the things that's going to be really important is figuring out a kickoff specialist because Nebraska – did not consistently kick the ball, um, you know, into or through the end zone, or really where they wanted to in the kickoff uh, game, as it was. And you know, life's a lot easier for your coverage unit uh, if you're just recording touchbacks 75 percent of the time or something like that. Nebraska just didn't have a guy on the roster that could do that. So battles there, obviously, and then it will be at, at, at punter too, where you're probably looking at uh, William Christup. And uh, Grant Betlison, who's a walk-on from, from Lincoln, are probably the two guys you start with in, uh, in a punter battle to replace Isaac Armstrong, who graduated.
1: Well, it was certainly – and it was, it was more than just kicking. I mean, that obviously got the, the brunt of yes. the attention. But giving up kickoff returns in the Iowa game and the Wisconsin game, those are backbreaking plays. And so I mean, and Nate Rohr and I were talking about this before you came on. Unfortunately, for Nebraska, that that special teams boat had a lot of leaks in it in the fall, didn't it?
4: Yeah, it did. It did. And so, so one of the interesting things is that Nebraska's punt coverage uh, was really good. I mean, I think they allowed eleven total punt return yards on the season or something like that. They're really pretty good. You know, Isaac Armstrong didn't boom the ball um, in terms of average punt distance, but his net punting was pretty good, and part of that was because, Um, They didn't give up any big busts in the punt return game. But obviously, um, you know, two kicks returned for the touchdown late in the year, one against Wisconsin and one against Iowa. And and you can't have that. Uh, To me, and uh, we talk about this a lot, but uh, special teams, and particularly your coverage and return units, I think a lot of times the bodies that you're using, not the kicker, not the kick returner, but the bodies you're using, a lot of times that's reflective of your overall roster depth. And and Nebraska – as we know has been young, hasn't had a lot of depth. And I think that there's a lot of body types in that red shirt freshman class that was limited by the number of games. The coaching staff wanted them to play last year that are sort of unleashed this year, guys like Nick Henrich and, and, and Garrett Snodgrass and Jackson Hanna, linebackers, but also, Take those four defensive backs, guys like Javen Wright and Miles Farmer and Quinton Newsome, who, you know, played in more than four games last year. But there's a lot of athletic guys um, who are in that class that now it's not, okay, you're going to play four in the middle of the season or anything like that. Those guys can play as much as they can get on the field. So you'd like to think the depth is going to be better um, just because of that. Um, But – you know, time will tell on that front.
1: Visiting again with Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star, talking some Husker football. Attrition's part of every program, and I think, Parker, most of the attrition that Nebraska has suffered since the end of the season, either you kind of felt like it was coming or you weren't surprised that it happened. But I think last week maybe maybe more of a surprise with Darian Chase. What, what were your thoughts on on his departure from the program?
4: Yeah, I was surprised uh, when I learned that was coming, and 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 then you know his name his name did show up in the portal um, last week, and and then you know so you kind of wondered a little bit. Uh, he was a you know Troy Walters uh, recruited him, and obviously isn't isn't at Nebraska any longer. But Matt Lubick also uh, recruited him because Matt Lubick was at Washington, and and that's you know Darian Chase from the Pacific Northwest. But a lot of, okay, so a lot of times when a kid puts out a statement, you know saying thanks to a school and that he's leaving, that sort of thing. A lot of times um, there may be some sentiment in it, but it, you're just sort of doing it to do it. But Darian Chase, I thought, it was very poignant. He pointed out um, that he had been dealing with uh, depression and some, you know, mental health issues, and he felt like being closer to home um, and to the resources that that provides would be – would help him get to a point where he felt, you know, healthy and, and happy and, and like he could – do what he needs to do to be a good college football player. And, you know, when a kid, first of all, is willing to talk about those sort of issues in public and, and two, is mature enough to, you know, handle it the way he handled it, I think you can only commend him for doing what he feels like he needs to do. And certainly I would imagine it's a situation where Nebraska would have loved to have him back, but also, um, you know, those guys want what's best for kids. And, and that was a obviously not just a – gut reaction from Darian Chase. It was something that it seems like he put a lot of thought uh, into, and it was something that he felt like he needed to do for his own health.
1: Don't you feel like he was going to get a a ton of reps in the spring with with a couple guys still not here yet from this recruiting class?
4: Definitely. I was talking about this with someone uh, earlier today. You know, Nebraska now, with Darian Chase leaving, has 10 scholarship-wide receivers overall, and five of them are the incoming 2020 class. And of those five, four of them don't get to campus until um, the end of spring semester for, you know, for summer conditioning. And that's, you know, some of those guys have some work left to do in the classroom, which means that late May is sort of the best case scenario at this point. So um, it really, it's going to be a big spring for the wide receivers that are on the roster and are, um, you know, here for spring semester and spring ball. And I think that, um, you know, that includes Elante Brown from, the freshmen from this incoming 2020 class. But don't forget about uh, redshirt freshmen like DeMarion Houston uh, and Jamie Nance, guys that came here with Darian Chase. Uh, those guys are going to get a ton of repetitions this spring, and it's a chance uh, for them to show the coaching staff and their new position coach in, in Matt Lubick that, uh, you know, sort of where they are in terms of, you know, being able to help.
1: How much? last thing for you, how much stock should Husker fans – Put in this ESPN FPI that came out yesterday that had Nebraska 22nd. Is it just something for fun? Is there something to it? How how serious do you take things like that?
4: Yeah, it's interesting. It's a good question. It's something to, uh, to to warm your your soul with a little bit of football, you know, in the in the middle of the winter. I think that the Nebraska fans I've interacted with are generally very skeptical of anything that's optimistic. Um, so far this offseason, but I do think, you know, I don't know if Nebraska will be a top 25 team or not, but the one thing I would say is I think if it's the FPI or if it was last week, um, Bill Conley, who is an analyst for ESPN, puts out his SP plus uh, rankings and had Nebraska in the top 25. I think a lot of that is predicated on the fact that Nebraska returns pretty much all of their offensive production, not 100%, but something like 90 plus percent. Um, and that the secondary uh, is going to have a lot of veteran returning players in it, so um, it, you can understand where it comes from. Sometimes it's explained where it comes from, but um, I don't know. I don't know if I would take that as the gospel just yet. Very good.
1: We had to like the one o'clock kickoff, right? That's like perv- that's right, in the
4: sweet spot for a rider. Oh heck, yeah! The only thing better is eleven o'clock, you know. So, <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, one p.m. for the spring game that'll do just fine. Very good, Parker. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yep, have a good night, Craig.
0: Tonight, it's the Nebraska Baseball Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network.
1: The 2 2 pitch, then a breaking ball, little looper into right. That's a base hit. That will score. Mojo Haggy, Ty Roseberry being waved home. He's going to score. It's an 8 0 Husker lead. Jackson Hallmark with a bloop single to right field and takes home, two.
0: An in depth look at the Nebraska Baseball program.
1: Here's the pitch. That's- Polinski lifts one to left, deep left, going back as hunters Say, to the wall, jumping, it is gone, grand slam, home run by Aaron Polinski, and we are tied here in Waco,
0: with the head coach, Will Bolt. A couple batters later, looked like he was okay, good to see him still in there, there's a ball
3: ripped into left field, this one is back, going back, it is gone, Ty Roseberry gives Nebraska the lead.
0: Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford Dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Baseball Radio Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp.
1: Thank you. Welcome to our first baseball show of the year. The spring began for the Big Red last week down at Baylor taking on the Baylor Bears, a perennial NCAA tournament team. Nebraska went one and two. If you want to be a part of the program, hear the numbers, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Nick and I were saying on the broadcast codes that if we'd have told you going down there you're gonna get one you probably go okay we'll, we'll probably take that but then you get the one friday night and then you want to go now we gotta go win the series so maybe a mixed bag how you feel coming back from there
5: yeah it's and when you lose on sunday it just never the trip never feels great you know leaving but um like there were just there were a lot of positive signs this weekend and course you get off to such a great start and you you win that game going away where you're really you're not really using a whole lot of your high leverage pitchers on Friday night so you've got your entire bullpen ready to go pretty much on Saturday and uh, I mean the, the comeback was awesome the grand slam was a, a big moment and then Roseberry hitting the home run late to give us the lead and uh, there's just a lot of really positive things I saw from the weekend and um, you know you got your closer on the mound with a one-run lead you know and, and game two to go win a series I mean I'd put Shea Shanneman in that spot 10 times and he's going to get it done nine you know and so you know it, that's just the way it went this weekend and um, you know you'll take one but you, you definitely would have liked to have two at you, least
1: how did you feel like you swung the bats through the weekend
5: <clears throat> really well i thought one through nine in our order was very competitive i thought we had really good at bats we ended up having uh, i believe it was 22 walks and hit by pitch compared to 20 punch outs so really good approach i felt like um just even a lot of the outs were really hard outs um so you know the double the double play ball kind of bit us on Sunday. That really is what kept us off the scoreboard, you know, from from scoring some more because we were able to cash in on a lot of those spots on uh, Friday and Saturday. And then just to, I think it was three straight innings that we had double play balls. That um, just some unfortunate plays there for us. But we had traffic, we had base runners, we had our opportunities on Sunday. Um, you know Baylor outside of that first inning I mean they played flawless baseball and we knew, we kind of knew that going into it that they would be a very good defensive team and uh, I mean they they played really really well um, to, to beat us next two
1: Mentioned those double plays you even had veteran guys <laughs> up that have been through those situations before I think Roscom hit into one he hit it hard Acker hit one and right to the third base bag right. which made it pretty easy and I can't remember who made the third one but it was guys that you're like well, I'm glad that's the guy up for
5: us yeah and Roskam there he's hitting the four hole you know the guys in front of him kind of got the line moving already and he gets to a 2 count and um you know just hits it hard at the first baseman on the ground and um yeah it's just Sometimes you, you get the bloopers to fall, and sometimes the, the hard hit balls go right at them. So um, it was we had the right situation you know, for those guys to be in, and they were you know they were ready to hit and they got themselves some good pitches to hit. maybe just try to do a little bit too much with them.
1: The weekend got off to such a great start because you, you scored eight runs before there was an out. Talk about the approach you saw from your guys. It looked like it was, let's go gap to gap early in the game. Let's just get ourselves on base.
5: Yeah, it was. uh, we kind of figured that their starting pitcher, uh, Winston, would be around the zone. And um, we felt like if we could cover the outside part of the plate on him and use the middle of the field, that there would be a lot of hits there. And um, it started with Jackson just getting a two-strike hit up the middle. Really set the tone for the team, um, and then after that, it was contagious. I mean, it was just balls hit hard all over the field, and had some luck, you know, involved too in there, but um, which you gotta have in, a, in an inning like that at times, but. It was uh, it was pretty pretty special deal I haven't seen really many games start like that and uh, being kind of the first game uh, little jitters going a little bit and so that helped take the edge off
1: made it easy for Gareth Stroh to go out there with a 11 nothing lead and
5: in some ways that can be <clears throat> hard though too well it was easy in the fact that he had a big lead it, it, we made him sit and wait for 45 minutes <laughs> yeah. before he could go go throw his first pitch so he actually had to go warm up two different times. During that inning, so um, it it was a little bit of a weird situation for him that way. Just how long the innings were lasting, and um, w- there was an injury on the Baylor s- staff where right. a pitcher came in and got hurt before he even threw his first pitch. So there was another ten or you know twelve minute delay. So there were a lot of weird circumstances, but that's fifth year senior. You know, he just he just took it in stride.
1: Probably won't be that way maybe the rest
5: of the year for his <clears throat> starts. Rest right. You'd like fourteen. Oh, I we'll <laughs> take it every time, no <laughs> yeah. doubt.
1: Here we are, back for hour number three here on Sports It, Thanks to head baseball coach Will Bolt for being in here. That was fun. Talking some ball bat
2: stuff there here in still the month of February. Just warms you up anytime you can hear crack of the bat, strike three, home run, all that stuff. All the big league boys are in camp. That's right. Yeah. Everybody reported by yesterday, I think. Yeah. I think we're like
1: eight, nine days away from them starting to play spring training games.
2: I think the Royals and Rangers, in fact, have the very first spring training game. Do they? Like February the 27th?
1: Something like that, yeah. 7th or 8th, yeah. Yeah. Not long. Yes. It's all right. Bring it on. Let's go.
2: Absolutely. Are do you guys? You guys get down to the Phoenix area.
1: Play at ASU next weekend. There you go. And they they were ranked fifth. They didn't have a great weekend. I think they dropped a little bit in the polls, but still going to be a uh, uh, certainly be a challenge. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, no doubt. ASU was here last year. Nebraska was fortunate enough to win that series two games to one. All right, here's what we have coming up this hour. It's Tuesday. That means Top Ten Tuesday coming your way. We're going to have that, and then we'll have some open phones for you to jump on board with us uh, later on in the hour. But let's get the hour underway with Top Tens.
0: We think them up. We count them down. It's Top Ten Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Well, here we go. We haven't had it. We've been kind of hit and miss over the last
1: couple months with Tuesday nights because of basketball, and we'll really get knocked off a lot once baseball starts playing Tuesday night games. But we sneak one in here right now. and. Got some Tim had in the tickers from college basketball scores. That season, we're just a few weeks away from March Madness
2: being here. And the stretch run is on. We're we're getting the shape of the conference races. We're starting to narrow down the teams that are going to be ones, going to be twos, and getting a clear picture on how everything's going to look for the tournament.
1: Well, so we thought we would kind of start peeking at who might be the player of the year in college basketball this year so we're going to throw our top 10 college basketball players of 2019 2020 tough easy hard what was this Uh, like
2: had to do a little research but it wasn't bad not too bad and and and, you know it's sort of it it starts with what teams are good and then what guys are having great years so uh probably tougher than say college football but this wasn't too bad. All right, Tim,
3: Austin, how'd you guys fare back there? Yeah, we did pretty good, at least I think I did, uh, although I did have to do some research like Nate. I got my crack team of researchers, notably myself, on the case, crunched some numbers, put them in the supercomputer, and spit out the 10 objectively best players <laughs> in college basketball.
1: And Austin, I, you, I know you lost sleep last night putting this thing together.
6: A little bit, more than I'd probably like to admit it. it was tough finding the right balance between individual stats, team success, uh, storylines, but... I did narrow it down to 10. There will not be a a top 15 tonight, although there very well could have been. So, Ah. I got it down.
1: All right. Well, let's use the batting order of Roar to Curran to Orman to me. There you go. So, Nate Roar, you're bleeding off.
2: No pressure. No pressure. Hopefully, I don't pop it up. Uh, My number (laughs) 10, uh, you you asked earlier tonight how many Big Ten guys are on my list. This is the first of three Big Teners I have on my list, and his team lost tonight, but He's going to stay in my top 10. Lamar Stevens of Penn State, uh, just under 18 points a game, under seven boards, the driving force behind the surprising year for Penn State. So, Lamar Stevens sitting at 10. Good player. Here. Oh, yeah, having a terrific Sur- year. Surprised he stayed all four years. Really. Yeah, absolutely. He, and Patrick Chambers, I'm sure, drops to his knees every night and yeah. thanks that uh, that he decided to give it one more go. Okay. <laughs> Well, it would be appreciative
3: if Nate hadn't just stolen right off my list because at number 10 I do have Mr. Stevens as well. Copycat. (laughs) 6'8", senior, 17.7 points per game. That's not bad at all. 6.8 rebounds can do it all. And I probably do have a little bit of a Big Ten bias because I see a lot more Big Ten basketball than not. And they did lose tonight, but, I mean, they're a top ten team in the nation, which is pretty surprising. They've had a really, really great season in Penn State. Uh, As you guys were talking earlier in the show, it's not really normal that State College is getting crazy over college hoops, but uh, this this team actually has something to them. It's pretty incredible. It was a good
1: looking atmosphere tonight no doubt. Yeah, absolutely.
6: I'll throw someone new out there at number 10. I go to the Mountain West Conference Malachi Flynn, a guard from San Diego State. He's the leading scorer for Division 1's last unbeaten team. He's a transfer from Washington State averaging 16.7 points, four rebounds and five assists, 51% from the floor, 37% from 3. So, figured I'd give him props for being the best player on one of the best teams.
1: If people have not seen them play, they're good. It's it's not fluky that that they have a good basketball team, and, and he's the best of that bunch. Didn't he start at Washington State? He did, yes. So he's a transfer into that program from there, but, yeah, he, he's really good. All right, um, I don't want to copy Nate or Tim. I'll let them do their own little thing right there. So I am also, like Austin, I'm going to a different – Aaron, I'm going Devon Dotson from the Kansas Jayhawks. One of the quicker guards in the country. Good defender for KU. Kind of runs that offense for the Jayhawks. Not a huge score, but a heck of a player. And I think a lot of people would say he's the most valuable Jayhawk. So I've got Dotson at 10.
2: That took a good hard look at him at number 10, but uh, I couldn't I couldn't quite get there with him.
1: Couldn't rock chocolate, it, huh?
2: Couldn't quite rock the okay. chalk. Nope. all right. All right. My number nine is uh, Philip Petrusive of uh, Gonzaga, 17.5 points game, eight boards, yet another great Gonzaga player, but, uh, you know, the competition kind of hurts his cause there. I mean, the West Coast Conference isn't a big conference, but still having a great year for one of the country's best teams, so he's my nine. They have Final Four team, you think? Boy, I don't know. I can't quite get there with them. Again, because of the weak competition, you right. can't. You can't drop them in the polls because they don't lose. But, you know, are are they really going to have it against a Kansas or a Duke or somebody like that? My
3: number nine is uh, different from Nate's. Um, I didn't want, to steal, didn't want to steal my nine yeah. pick. Uh, but I have Malachi Flynn here of San Diego State. And, you know, you talk about teams that are having surprising years. How about the Aztecs? Uh, the number one in the Mountain West. I think they actually are undefeated. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, they are. Very, very impressive. And you know, he's been um, kind of the heartbeat of that team. 16.7 points per game, just over four rebounds, and I think just over five assists. So uh,
1: the 6'1 junior has been very, very impressive in the years, as have the Aztecs. Okay. My number nine, I'm going to the SEC, Anthony Edwards, who may be the number one pick in the draft uh, in a few months from Georgia, averaging eight, nearly 19 points and five rebounds a game. Does, isn't getting a lot, in a, a lot of pub because Georgia's not very good this year. Tom Crean has just not made a huge dent in two years now down there in Athens, but Edwards is a heck of a player. He'll be a lottery pick, no doubt, when that draft comes up in June.
6: I'll go with my number nine, Nick oh, Richards. Oh, I'm sorry, Austin, oh, no I cut you off. No worries at all. <laughs> uh, my number nine is in action for the number 10 team in the country, Nick Richards of Kentucky. Big improvement from the last couple of years. He's jumped up to 30 minutes a night as opposed to 12. He averages 14.5 points, eight rebounds, two blocks a game. Kentucky was supposed to be a guard-led team with Ashton Hagen's, Tyrese Maxey, but Nick Richards has been far and away their most consistent player, one of the top big men and players in the country in my estimation. Perfect. There you go.
2: Uh, my number eight will go one slot under Kentucky, but stay in the same state. Uh, for the 11th-ranked Louisville Cardinals, Jordan Wara with 18 points a game, seven rebounds, uh, another good year out of Louisville. They were briefly the number one team in the country, so I'll slot one of theirs at number eight on my list.
1: I think they they might be a dark horse final four pick for me. When the, It depends sure. on the bracket when it falls out, but I think come tournament time they're going to be a hard out.
2: Yes, they are. Uh, Always in the mix.
3: At my number eight, I've got a guy that Greg already mentioned, Devin Dotson, Rock rock Jayhawk, uh, a little over 18 points a game, just over four boards and four assists. So pretty well-rounded guard and uh, definitely deserves to be in the top ten, I believe.
6: I've got a guard at number eight as well. I've got Peyton Pritchard of Oregon here. The Ducks have slid a little little bit from where they were earlier in the season. Pritchard, though, has been their steadiest player. That game against Washington was a classic, hit a couple 30-plus-foot threes, uh, one to tie the game, send it to overtime, the next one to win. His individual numbers prop him up a little bit here for me. 19 and a half points, four rebounds, six assists per game on 51-40-80 shooting. So Peyton Pritchard, my number eight player.
1: Need some huge shots when they won at Michigan back in December. Love that kid. Um, my number eight's been mentioned, Malachi Flynn from San Diego State.
2: He's your eight, Greg. He was Tim's nine. He was Austin's ten. He's my seven. We're covering the board with him. <laughs> yep. he He's the first consensus top yeah. ten. Yeah. Huh?
3: There we go. He'll feel good about that of all, of, all his accomplishments in his career. Yeah, hang uh, that one. one on the wall. That will go into their media <laughs> notes. <laughs> uh, my number seven, uh, I have Udoka Azabuki, uh, another in. you're here. loading up
1: on the Jayhawks. I know, I ATM. know.
3: I know. Mid- Midwestern bias. Uh, leads the country in field goal percentage at 73%. That is nothing to shake your head out. Uh, he's also about averaging dang near double-double, just shy of 13 points a night and 10 rebounds. Uh, Seven-foot senior out of Nigeria. Pretty impressive player. All he does is dunk. Oh, yeah. Oof.
6: All right, number seven for me, uh, someone i do a little bit more research on to see if he warranted inclusion. I think he does. His team also in action right now. Marcus Howard from Marquette, Mm. by far the highest usage percentage in the country. He finishes 40% of Marquette's possessions, but still shoots 46% overall, 42% from three, and 88% from the free throw line, averages 27 points a game. The dude is the definition of a bucket. He is ridiculous. Despite less success than last year, Marcus Howard is my number seven.
1: Love him. I'm staying in the Big East for my seven, but I'm going to Seton Hall and Miles Powell, who we saw play in Lincoln last year when the Pirates were here taking on the Cornhuskers. Um, he's a heck of a player. Seton Hall has lost a couple of games here in the last week or so that uh, they were, they'd were they gotten themselves to the top ten, but that's still a really good basketball team, and Miles Powell's in there, my number seven.
2: All right, my number six, a guy that you've been able to see at PBA, Jalen Smith of Maryland. Oh, Double-double. Sticks. Yeah, uh, maybe a little high, but Maryland having a great year, and he's one of the driving forces. See, for you know, the Terps. Maryland
1: fans may not agree with you that they're having a great year. Well,
2: they're Maryland fans, <laughs> and, and they're not entirely functioning because Terp's having a great year. So is Jalen Smith. He is my number six.
3: Yeah, Nate stole my thunder again. My number six, I do have Mr. Smith. And, of course, uh, you know, Husker fans probably know him a little bit too well after that block yeah. they had the other night. Uh, but, yeah, 6'10 sophomore, fi- over 15 points a game, 10 rebounds. I mean, this guy is just a prototypical NBA-type forward. You look at him, he's just got the size. He's really gangly. The Sticks nickname has definitely deserved, and uh, definitely uh, little Husker fans know him probably a little bit too
1: well. Good player. It was fun that they had the glasses giveaway
6: yeah. when
2: the Huskers
1: <laughs> were there the other night. Yeah.
6: Another guy Husker fans know a little bit too well. It's been mentioned by Nate and Tim already. I've got Lamar Stevens up here at number six, really leading that Nittany Lion Renaissance, best player on the Big Ten, second best team at this point in time. His averages are good, and I'm with you, Greg. I'm a little surprised he stuck around for all four years, but good for him sticking it out and leading Penn State to one of its best seasons in school history. One thing Pat Chambers did was he made it, a, like Will Bolt was saying
1: last hour, for baseball trying to lock this state down. Pat Chambers has gotten into Philadelphia and gotten some players out of there. Stevens is one of those. That's why their program has made a little move up
2: the ladder. He's been able to keep some of that really good in-state talent there. And there's plenty of talent there to is. be had in Philadelphia. Yeah. So if you can dip into the pool and get something out of there. Uh, that can feed you a little bit.
1: My six was Austin seven. I've got Marcus Howard here. Uh, just one of the best shooters in college basketball, 43% on threes. He is a w- walking highlight reel. Love to watch him play. Big fan of him tonight.
2: Uh, and big play, fan in, playing, in general. Are they playing tonight? The, they are. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Big East game. Um, yeah. My number five, Vernon Carey of the Duke Blue Devils, 17 and a half a game. Just under nine boards a game. Duke having another good year. Maybe not the top-level year, but they're they're going to be maybe a two, maybe a one. Carry two. the driving force behind them, so he's my five.
3: Uh, my number five, Greg, I think you already mentioned him, Miles Powell of Seton Hall, a guy that we've seen actually play at PBA. Uh, about 17.7 points per game, just shy of seven rebounds, a little over two assists. Uh, 6'2 senior. He's a guy that can do it all. Another guy that you can pretty well picture playing in the NBA one day.
6: Number five for me has been mentioned a couple times. I've got Devin Dotson up here. He has been Kansas's best player this year. I think it's not even close. And this is kind of where Tim and I bickered a little bit, where he put <laughs> as a Azabuki on his list. But I think Azabuki is the fourth most important player on that Kansas team, whereas Dotson's number one.
0: Very
1: good. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Austin. I've got Dotson as their best player as well. But That's the only Jayhawk I had on my list. My number five, I'm coming back to the Big Ten – And here's where I've got Cassius Winston from Michigan State, averaging nearly 19 a game and six assists. He's the guy they look for in crunch time when they need a bucket. Uh, He's the guy that runs the show for him. Plus, he's had a really tough couple months off the court with his brother dying. And so I, I just love the strength of that young man. So I've got Winston at number five for me.
2: All right, my number four has been mentioned a couple of times in the Big East. Miles Powell having a great year for the Seton Hall Pirates. So this is where I've got Miles Powell, my number four. Uh, My number four. Unfortunately, I had to had to pick at least uh,
3: one Duke Blue Devil. I've got Trey Jones, a Jayhawk, in here too. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I've got the whole starting five of the Jayhawks. No, I've got Trey Jones on here. Uh, He 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 can move the ball really well. He can score it. He can rebound it. He he can actually uh, work pretty well defensively. Uh, Trey Jones, uh, much to Austin's delight, can do it all.
6: It's true he can, and Tim can also continue to steal from people's lists, as yeah. I have Trey Jones at number four, two. <laughs> He's the only player in the top ten in the ACC in points per game, assists per game, steals per game, field goal percentage, and assist to turnover ratio, best point guard in America. Wow. <laughs> you can tell
1: someone's a, a Duke fan
6: yeah. back here. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm surprised. I guess Austin's final four are all going to be Blue Devils. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Last (laughs)
6: year, yes. This year, I I restrained.
1: Well, I go Blue Devils for my number four. Here's where I've got Vernon Carey. They're they're a big fella inside. I've got Carey at four.
2: All right, on to the medal podium, my number three. (laughs) God, I hate doing this. Luca Garza from (laughs) Iowa just... Averaging a double-double over 20 points a game can do literally everything for the Hawkeyes. Probably your player of the year in the Big Ten Conference. Iowa maybe not having as good a year as you would need for Garza to be a a player of the year, but he's sure going to get some consideration. I've got him at three.
1: Got on everybody's radar when he put that 44 on the
3: board against Michigan. Yeah. My number three, a guy that's already been mentioned, uh, and I'll let, I'll let Austin wax lyrical about him, Vernon Carey Jr. of Duke. <laughs> and that's all I have to say.
6: Nah. Hold your horses. We'll get to him. <laughs> number three for me, Obi Topin forward from Dayton. 19.78 and two assists per game. Extremely efficient. Best player on one of the biggest surprise teams. He's another guy in the running for the number one overall pick, given his skill set and the, uh, the offense that Dayton runs. A couple of highlight dunks in the last week, too. Obi Topin, a very fun player to watch for the Dayton Flyers.
1: You're a smart man, Austin. I line up with you as well. I've got Tobin nice. at three. Dayton got on my radar when I saw him push Kansas in the Maui tournament in the finals to uh, overtime. Tobin's a freak show. By the way, Dayton is a part of that Myrtle Beach tournament next November that Nebraska's in. Hmm. Don't think Tobin will be there, though.
2: No, no, no. <laughs> he's, I, in he, the other he, he's he's going to get paid for yeah. his ball. And then if he wants to go to Maui and, and not have to play <laughs> basketball, he can afford it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number two been mentioned a couple of times and again rooting very hard for him if I could have tracked down his jersey T before tonight's game I uh, would have grabbed it Marcus Howard Marquette having a great year over 27 a game for uh, another team kind of like Iowa where he's producing a whole lot but for a team that's going to go to the NCAA tournament but you wouldn't expect go to the final four but still you can't ignore 27 points a game so Marcus Howard's my two. Yeah, mine, too, is also Marcus Howard as Come well.
1: Come on, Tim.
3: <laughs> you two just sat during the, in the Peaked break room the all afternoon, didn't you? And just, <laughs> yeah. Okay, That's, let's put this
1: guy, too. Let's put that guy, yeah. four.
3: And they say great minds think alike, but I think uh, someone was so. copying my homework. But, uh, yeah, 27.3 points per game, most in the country. That's uh, not bad at all. <laughs>
6: Also not bad at all, I've got Vernon Carey here. His raw offensive numbers are a touch behind Luca Garza's, but his rate stats are better, if not the same. 17.7 points, 8.7 rebounds a game, assist steal block per game. Player efficiency rating of 34, best among all freshmen. And in terms of box plus minus, uh, an advanced kind of stat, he actually rates equally to Luca Garza. So his team is having more success, but he hasn't dominated the storylines like my number one. So he's my number two. Okay
1: a little surprised by that but uh, i thought that would be the number one from austin but all right my number two has been mentioned as well peyton pritchard from oregon averaging 19 uh, a game just wants the ball in critical situations gutsy tough all those things i love about a college basketball player i can't get enough of peyton pritchard i'm kind of i'll go bill walton on you We'll start talking about peyton pritchard <laughs> love the kid
2: oh my all right, my number one, uh, both Austin and Greg had him at three, but Obi Topin drove
1: What a great name yeah, too, no right? Kidding,
2: driving one of the uh, one of the big stories of the year. Dayton gonna be in the running for a number one seed. Who to thunk it? So really you could have three of the four number ones this year be non power five schools. That's kinda unbelievable. Like hey who yeah. who to thunk that yeah, they're cool. Yeah. yeah. So Obi's my one. Yeah, my number one and I I hate to have to do this to everyone,
3: but I have Luca Garza, um, of Nebraska fans again, another player that they're probably a little bit all too familiar with. And uh, he's six eleven but he also has, you know, not only size, but he can move pretty well Um, he 23.7 points per game he scored uh, I think the third most points in the nation uh, at 617 he shoots really well from the floor
6: Uh, he gets about 10 rebounds a night Uh, is a guy that can do it all and he he does play for the Hawkeyes that's number one a string of 11 straight 20 point games now the last game he didn't have 20 in was the Nebraska win here uh, the 76-70 Husker win counter to Nate's argument is that I think Iowa has been just good enough and just relevant enough to get Luka Garza the Lamar Jackson 9-3 and Louisville Heisman mm. Trophy Award here so that's why he's my number one
1: they got three in a row I got Luca Garza in one as well I, just the versatility of his game the ability to step out, hit threes, the ability to post guys up inside um, I'm worried about for him at the next level, can he guard people at the next level but offensively he, he
2: can do what nba guys want out of a big guy. Yeah. He's and, and you know the the it's the quintessential question how much should you think about the next level when you're assessing yeah, the guy? you here. Yeah. You shouldn't. Yeah,
1: so right. it's just like, you know, Tommy Frazier. we knew wouldn't be a great
2: nfl quarterback, but he was the best college football player in the country that year. And deprived an important piece of hardware that year. But yeah, it, he he's I mean, Dayton as a top-five national team, it's crazy. And San Diego State. And San Diego State. I mean, and Gonzaga? Gonzaga wrote the blueprint, but now you see San Diego State and and Dayton kind of following it. Yeah. it it's kind of unbelievable. I mean, this will be a pick-em-out-of-the-hat NCAA tournament.
1: You guys know who's on that Dayton roster, don't you?
6: Hmm. Jory Shimanga. Ding, oh, wow. ding, ding,
1: ding, ding, ding. Oh, wow. Not sure how much he's playing, but he's, he's like on that three team. minutes
6: a game at last yeah, check. Not a whole
1: oh. lot. All right, Austin, is this worth the Twitter poll? Uh, absolutely it's worth a Twitter poll. All right. Work that up. If you are not following us, here you go. At Husker Sports is our follow. We have some fun with some Twitter polls. We have highlight packages we put up there. We list who we're gonna have on Sports Nightly on a daily basis. There's already some clips up from Will Bolt's show. It's a good follow on Twitter.
2: No doubt about it. We're worth two hundred and eighty characters, no
1: doubt. There you go. Do we have a little checkbox by our name? We should. Blue check mark? We speak for ourselves. We verify ourselves.